Well, good evening there, folks. It's, uh, I don't even know what day it is. Sometime in the middle of January, maybe the 16th or 17th or something. Uh, it's Wednesday, so it might be the 17th. And, uh, I had a pretty long day today. I'm hauling my last load of calves back to, uh, back to my place. Um, spent the last couple of days, it was colder than well diggers asked, but we was, we was gathering cattle and, it, and uh, got, them, got them into a small, oh, I got a little trap there in the middle of one piece, a few thousand acre pasture, and this little trap's only, I don't know, 50, 60 acres or something like that. So we trapped up, oh, I think we counted 110 cows or something and uh, pulled their calves off of them and, and uh, we're gonna haul them, we're gonna, we're gonna feed them and then we're gonna haul them to the sale sell them. Uh, we like to go to Woodward, Oklahoma and sell our calves. We feel that's the best market for us and I'm very, very impressed with the quality of calves that I, I'm weaning. Uh, good calves. Um, you know, we got some Charlotte Crosses and a lot of Black Angus. Uh, and and uh, like I say, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with the quality of calves we're feeding. I, I feel like this year it's it's probably getting, I think it's the best year I've ever had for the quality of the stuff. Um, the 23 calf crop. So, a lot of people historically sell their calves in October, November and ship them and you know for us uh, we don't really have to feed them, they're just grazing and we got plenty of grass so uh, we, we all, you know I've done the math on it, done it different times a year but I feel like it's a better market for me to wait until after the, uh, the new year let that wheat come on a little stronger and whatnot and I think that mark gets a little better. I think it, it gets flooded a little bit there when people ship them. Some people contract their calves earlier, sell them on video or whatnot, but uh, kind of the trouble for me doing that is that country I run in so big uh, and, and kind of rough and brushy. It'd be hard to get out there and really make a, a lot of videos or a good video to sell them calves all at once. And I, I seem to think that I do just as good and pay less commission doing it this way. So while these calves are weaned, I'll take them home and we'll put them on full feed and, you know, hay and, and uh, feed ration and cake and whatnot. And, and, uh, and I'll work my cutting horses on them too. And, and uh, we, you know, after they've been weaned for a few weeks and for a month maybe, it, then, then it'll be time and they'll be handleable because they get worked horseback gentle them down some so whoever buys them will be able to go you know wherever they want with them and they should be pretty good calves that just progress and eventually you know one day they'll they'll uh, hit the feed lot and hit the packing house and feed the country uh my boy Ethan's following me. He's got the horses and and uh, Peyton and you know Porter and my wife were there all the day and, and uh, you know we already got new calves hitting the ground and 
that, so we tagged some new calves and, you know, whatnot. And anyways, uh, when we were sorting all the cows off of the calves, uh, Ethan, he, he walks the gate, and he's pretty good at that. He's a pretty good gate man. Uh, Ethan watched the gate and, and uh, Porter and I sorted the cows and you know here Porter is 12 years old and he was riding a, a buckskin horse that he'd never ridden before one that I bought recently and I told him he could ride him and I didn't really do much cutting I, I kind of let Porter my 12 year old boy I kind of let him cut out every mother cow and leave the calves in one pen and then we sort out the mother cows and kick them in another I kind of let Porter do all the cutting and did pretty good at it you know if there was any calves or anything slipped by I'd head them off and then of course Ethan was at the gate to really stop anything from he was the final stop you know but but it it went pretty smooth and it was very very rewarding for me as a dad to see my kids do ranch work and work like man or raised with me and uh, I don't know that there was a, a ranch anywhere in the country that wouldn't have been pleased to have their help you know and we had to rope some calves and tag them and some of them bigger calves were slick and we went ahead and roped them and tagged them and we had a few calves out there that were kind of late we didn't feel they were ready to sell and you know, they didn't get worked with the rest because they were later, so we went ahead and had and healed them, and and I let the kids rope them all, and I tagged them and castrated the bull calves, and and uh, I was very, very impressed and pleased with with as good as my kids did in the good hands that they are, and they've all got some cattle of their own, and they've all got you know calves to sell, and and. Uh, as well so it's it's something they're working toward and you know they'll all make a few thousand bucks and uh, nice little bonus for them and they'll continue to build their own herds of cattle and and that to me what it's all about you know to prepare the next generation to stay in this business now y'all need to realize that I've had a lot of people tell me that I am so blessed. And, you know, here's the thing. Blessings, in my opinion, are things that we cannot work for or buy. So, rain is a blessing. Uh, your health is a blessing. Your family is a blessing. Uh, being able to travel to and from safely, blessings. Uh, as far as the life that we have and what we do, that is not a blessing. That is a result of hard work. And uh, I do believe that the Lord blesses us with opportunities. But as far as are they truly blessings, well, yeah, you know, maybe he'd give us an opportunity. But he didn't just give it to us. He'd give us the opportunity. And I truly believe that everybody out there today, especially in America, has opportunity in front of and I had this conversation with a friend of mine last night and I had this conversation with my boys the other day 
But I'm a numbers guy. I like numbers. I do math all the time. So let's let's pretend that that y'all want to get into the ranching business. Now, if you do not live out in the country where the cattle are and more access to more rural areas, uh, you are not a tree. You can move. You can pick up everything you got and sell out and move. So, like a lot of guys, let's just say that you make an average of $5,000 a month. Okay? That's a $30 an hour job. Hour a week, that's $1,200 a week, $4,800 a month, uh, 52 weeks in the year. So you make $1,200 a week, 52 weeks, let's see if we can do some math. We got $52,000 and $1,000. And we got, so you're making $60,000 a year, let's just say, for an easy number. And that's $5,000 a month. Uh, if you want in the cow business, let's say that you're going to be disciplined now and you are going to uh, live on 2500 a month. Figure it out. There's people that do that. You're going to live on $2,500 a month. And once a month, you're going to buy one good bred cow. That good bred cow at the sale barn is going to cost you anywhere from maybe a thousand to fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. There has this year we've seen some of them good bred cows bring eighteen hundred to twenty five hundred. But even at that, I've sat through that sale a time or two a month and seen some deals come through. So you just gotta have your hammer cocked and be ready for a deal when it's there. Well you're you're putting away thirty thousand a year and you're living on thirty thousand a year and you've got to be disciplined. You can still have a savings account only make only living on twenty five hundred a month aside from your, your business plan. So let's say that you buy one cow, one bred cow per month, and after a year you spent twelve uh, twelve cows, and let's just say that you give an average of twelve hundred bucks for them, which you can buy them for that. I'm telling you right now, I've done it. Lots. Lots and lots and lots. Good quality black Angus cattle. That's $14,400. You still got basically half of your 30 left. You can buy hay. You can find a place to put them. Uh, you can find a place. Uh, you can rent a place or you can buy a small place or whatever. But it is possible. You can do that. And then the second year... Now you're up to 24 cows. And after that first year, you're going to sell, you know, your calves. You're going to have to buy a bull. So you need to take that into consideration or borrow one or rent one or something. But you're going to have to get a bull the second year. you got 24 cows. Now after the, and then, the, you know, you're still going to sell, let's say, count a little death loss and whatever else. Say you're going to sell, sell 10 of the 12 calves and, and uh, you could put that in the bank or whatever help buy a little hay with it to get you through the next year. But the next year you're gonna have be up to 24 cows. Now on the second year, let's just out of the 24 cows, you have 22 calves. And uh, you go ahead and you save all of your heifers. Let's say you got 10 heifers. Now you're up to 34 head, right? The next year you do it again, you got 36 good bred mother cows. 
one good bull will cover those 36 plus you got the heifers, which puts you up to 46 head. And then you're going to save half of those again. So then you add 15 to that, and you're already up to 61 head. And then the next year you buy 12 more. So now you got 73. You're going to save, let's say, 20 of those heifers. Now you're up to 93. Now the fifth year, you're going to buy 12 more. And then you're going to go up to uh, 105. Plus you're going to save. And then keep in mind that those efforts that you save, they don't just kick out a calf the next year. It's a two years away. So let's just say you save again, uh, rough numbers, you know, 30 head. I mean, shit, you're already, plus what you were at, you're at 135 head. Well, by the time you crack 100, you're going to be able to start selling the majority of your calves and keeping 10% for replacements, and then you're going to sell, you're going to cull some cows, some of them cows are going to get older when they get about 11, 12 years old. Anywhere from 10 to 12, you're going to start thinking about getting rid of them and replacing them. And there's some salvage value in those. So, if you have a hundred good cows that are paid for, and you should run about a bull per 25. Now, in a smaller pasture, you could probably even get away with a bull per 50 in a very small, irrigated, whatever. But, but general rule of thumb, go with a bull for every 25. And if you got a hundred head of cows that are paid for, and you're going to work your way into things, it, it'll amaze you at the doors that'll open. Just osmosis just by being around something like you know if you go to the sale barn every single month and you just buy a cow pretty soon people are going to catch on to what you're doing and believe it or not even though you're small timing they'll respect it and you start asking around and you you might buy a little home base of of even just a small place you know all you can afford is five ten acres have five or ten acres have a little pasture a little cow crawl whatever that's not going to be enough to, to graze them, but it's going to be enough for a little home base to very, very early on start with. And then you're going to start asking around, and you might find a few pastures here and there to rent, to lease. It's possible. You're going to take some, t some hustling, keep your ears open, mind your business, stay disciplined. And then and then you're going to be around those people. You, you blow your mind at the doors that will be open to you when you're just around an industry. And then after five years, when you got got 100 head of cat, calves you're selling every year, but let's just say $1,200 a pot, and you're pulling in 120 and let's say you're spending half of it on overhead, and now you're making that $5,000 a month that your jobber has always paid you, keeping in mind you're still saving part of your money and putting it away and let the cows kind of float themselves and and you're going to be all right and then you can quit your job now if you got 100 cows that are paid for if your cows are paid for you can make the ground come into play later so you go out there and and uh, you, you tell a banker, hey, I got 100 head of cows that are paid for, and I got a little savings account and, and whatnot. You can buy yourself a place. Now, in my opinion, a general rule of thumb is if your cows are paid for, 
Um, a hundred head of cows can make the payment on a million a million dollar place. Now you see some of these ranches advertised. I saw one the other day that was for sale for ten million dollars. They've run three hundred cows. I won't pencil. But you can do it. But you've got to be disciplined. You can't go out to the cafe and eat. You can't buy your lunches. You're going to have to stay home and make them. You can't go to movies and concerts and parties. Uh, you can't go on cruises and vacations. You're going to have to pick up a little extra work. Maybe do a little fence job. Learn how to shoe horses. Break some colts. You're not going to have any days off. You're going to burn some midnight oil. And it's going to be an eight-day-a-week deal. But the juice is worth the squeeze. And, 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 and let's say you go buy a place capable of running 200 head of cows and you borrow the money for another 200 or 100 head, but you've already got 100 head that are paid for, you can start making stuff work. You can grow. It's possible. But you're going to have to be different than most and tougher than all. You know, people ask me all the time, how'd you get to that point? You know, we run about 250 cows and I run a full-time horse training operation and I've got a tack business that does good and and whatnot. People ask me all the time, how, I mean, how did you get to that point? I rode a lot of horses I didn't want to ride for other people. I sold a lot of horses that I didn't want to sell, but we needed the money. I sold a great portion of my life, of my time, to other people for my services, and then all the while kept building this herd of cows. And a lot of it was just getting to know the right people. And then I was able, I, I leased thousands of acres. You know, plus I own ground at home and everything else, so, but it's all, and, and my ground at home's paid for. You know, I did a little bit of real estate swapping, and I sold five or six homes in the last, oh shit. 10, 12 years. So, you know, that's every couple of years we've been moving somewhere else. But it's a pretty good feeling when you walk out of a title office with a couple hundred grand in your pocket. And then on to the next one. Buy more ground, bigger place, more acreage, put another house on it, another barn on it. It takes a lot of work. A lot of work. But it's built me into where I'm at today never been on a cruise never really been on a vacation I remember I think it was three years ago uh, me and my wife and my kids we drove to Laramie Wyoming and we met Peyton up there and it was all actually a business trip we hauled some horses up there and uh, he picked them up in Laramie and took them on to Idaho this load of horses and we all made a few thousand bucks on the haul and then we stayed in Laramie for two more days and just fished. And we kind of hung out and had a good time. And then we came home and went back to work. It was the middle of the summer. It was hot in Texas. Wyoming was cool. It was beautiful. That was a vacation, but we did, in fact, make money on the trip. We just kind of turned the business trip into a very small vacation. Stayed in a cheap motel. Took hot dogs over an open fire, made s'mores, caught some trout, saw some beautiful country, and then went home, went back to work. So, 
you know. Uh, I mean, I, I seen a post on Facebook the other day. Somebody was looking for really, really good handmade boots, and I looked at a lot of the people on there that were commenting about this person, this person. I don't have a problem with handmade boots. I don't. But I knew the financial situation of several of those people commenting on that, and I went, what the hell? You can't afford that. Hell, I'm telling you right now, I wear a pair of boots every day of my freaking life. And I've got a, I, I got my first pair of real fancy custom, well, they weren't custom for me, but they were handmade, but drills and Mercedes, everybody says drills and expensive. And I didn't pay for them, I won them. When I won the world title in the NCHA last year at the end of 23, they gave me a gift certificate for a pair of boots at Davis Boots. And I got a pair of elephant hide Rios and Mercedes boots, and they're great. But I still don't think they're as comfortable as my $165 area boots. They got a the area boots got a rubber sole. You can beat them like a redheaded stepchild, and they're still going to perform and work. And at the end of the day, when I'm done, I didn't pay $1,200 for them. I can throw them away and get another pair. Now, again, I have no problem with handmade boots, and I have no problem with boot makers. As a matter of fact, I wish there was more boot makers out there. A cobbler, literally, a cobbler. It's a dying, dying art. And there's some boot makers I know out there that make the most beautiful boots. But in my opinion, those are more luxuries rich and you're going to have to stick to your guns when you want to make a life change you got it like Dave Ramsey I'm a fan of his but some of the stuff I'm not that he's just fan of but whatever uh, for the most part I think he's a pretty smart guy and you know I can agree with about 98% of what he says and you know he says you need to live like no one else so that one day you can live like no one else. And so maybe the cow business isn't for you. I do believe that hard work makes good horses and good men. I do believe it's a great way to work together as a family. I do believe that it is uh, grueling, it's long, it's hard, it's frustrating. There's times that we've done everything in our power to save a baby calf and it's still throws its head in the air and arches its back and damn near does a backflip and takes one last breath and dies. And then there's other times that, you know, you work all day building fans, you ride horses all day, you work hard to get your cows gathered and that doesn't work the way it planned. You get rained out. You get droughted out. All these things can happen. But I don't know of a final way of life. I don't know of any other thing I'd rather do. So I found what I wanted to do at a very early age. And I don't know if I even found it. I think I was just born with that desire. Uh, I like to get up early. I like to beat the daylight. I like to beat the sun out of bed. I like to enjoy my quiet early mornings with my coffee cup. I like horses and cattle and good saddles and old country music. And and I like pickup trucks and cowboy boots and pearl snap shirts and 
felt hats in the winter and straw hats in the summer. And uh, I like good cow horses. I can't just ride to ride. I, I always want to have a cow involved. Because that's, I think, I believe those horses can sense it. Uh, a person interviewed me a little while ago for a magazine article and they said, okay, you train cutting horses for a living, yeah. They said, why didn't you, you know, pick close? Weatherford, Texas, or Scottsdale, Arizona, or one of those, Gainesville, Texas, or Ardmore, Oklahoma, or kind of the corridor of cutting horse people around there. Why didn't you go live somewhere like that? Why you live out there in Northwest Texas? And I says, well, I says, I'm different. I just can't live like that. A lot of those guys go train their horses, and they're very good at it get very good horses trained they're around they're close to the city they get the richest people out there to be their customers and they ride lots and lots of horses for short intervals of time and they make really good horses and those kind of guys beat me a lot and I have no problem with it and then when they get done they go watch football or they go golfing or they go swimming or whatever and I just don't have a desire to do that and I told that lady that was interviewing me about winning my world championship last year and, and, and she said, but you work your horses the same, right? And I said, well, kind of, but I said, let me tell you the difference between a cowboy out where I live and a cowboy down there and, in, in, uh, you know, towards the city or whatever, a horse trainer down there. I says, we use horses to work cattle and they use cattle to work their horses. There's a difference. Now, I ain't saying I don't work my horses in an arena because I work quite a few horses every day in my arena, in my cutting pen. And uh, I also use horses outside to do ranch work. So those of you that think you can really develop a better horse outside on the range doing ranch work and then go to Fort Worth and beat them, I got news for you. Ain't going to happen. You will get your ass kicked. Do I think horses need a balance? Yeah. Yeah, sure I do. But it can't be the extreme one of, or the extreme of the other. I think they need balance. And so I ride less horses and put more quality time into them. And I have the real estate and the livestock to give them a job. And, uh, you know, we, we eat a lot of home-cooked meals. A lot of them. And I think they're better. So that's what we do. Uh, we take care of what we have. We don't just use and abuse and throw it away and get another one. We take care of it. I think you're better off to buy one product for three times the money because it's going to last you a heck of a long time than buying cheap shit. That's what I don't like about Walmart. Do you know why Walmart has a money-back guarantee? Because they're making so much money on everything, they don't give a shit. For example, you go into Walmart and you spend $200 and you take back a $20 item and you say, this piece of shit don't work. They say, oh, well, by golly, we'll give your money back. Well, no shit, it didn't work. You bought the cheap $20 Black & Decker Sawzall. I want the Makita. I want the DeWalt. I want the Milwaukee. 
I said, yeah, but that, that one, that, that Sazzle cost 180 bucks. This one was 20. Yeah, but yours quit after 10 minutes. Mine's still running after 10 years. So they take it back and they say, yeah, we'll give your money back. And then you're like, ah, I got my 20 bucks back. But what you didn't realize is, is that $200 worth of product they sold you, they probably paid about 45 or 50 bucks for it. So they're still kicking your ass all the way to the freaking bank. It's just like it says in on the wall in ML Eddie's. People will remember cheap quality long after poor quality long after they remember cheap price. It says it right on the on the wall at ML Eddie's. Now you ain't gonna walk into ML Eddie's in the stockyards in Fort Worth, Texas, and see cheap shit. You know, there's a reason today that people buy a housewife buys new pots and pans every couple of years and yet there's still people out there that got a 130 year old frying pan that their grandmother got from her grandmother you follow and that's that's the difference you know you, you just got to decide that you got to be into things that last and you got to be into high quality and I'm pretty old-fashioned you know me and Ethan were talking today and uh, we were talking about everybody's into the latest greatest most people they have Ethan said dad for example he said most people with an iPhone 13 14 an iPhone 12 or whatever said the iPhone 15 just came out he said they don't get an iPhone 15 because their iPhone 13 or 14 or 12 or whatever because it broke because it quit working they went and got a new one because they were they wanted the latest greatest it's wasteful now the way people are out there they'll spend twelve hundred dollars on a new phone no problem everybody does it. but if you spent twelve hundred dollars on back to our original talk on a cow and said I'm making an investment a lot of people would say oh geez ranching's a you know tough way to make it you see what I'm saying so you just got to decide what you're doing and go after it if you want to sell cars for a living you want to sell houses for a living you want to build houses you want to build cars you want to run a tire shop you want to be a plumber go for it you want to sell shit on ebay all the time go for it i don't really care find something you want to do and then make up your mind to do it don't get sidetracked by all the other dipshits that are living a miserable life thinking that material possessions are going to make them happier because they're not stick something out consistency is the key to everything longer you're involved with something the more opportunity you have for it to work people ask me all the time about horses and, and we've raised and trained and bred horses for years decades I've been involved in the horse business started training horses for other people when I was 14 years old really didn't have a clue what I was doing but I was going for it I made a lot of mistakes but now I'm fairly well known in the equine industry 
because I stuck with it. And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, I tried the horse deal and that really didn't work. Well, you got to be willing to learn, you got to be willing to change, and you got to stick it out. Usually, the even the cow deal ain't going to work the first few years you do it, but if you stick it out, it'll start working. You'll buy some cows you shouldn't have bought. You'll buy some cows that are bad bag, bad bag, uh, mothers or, or not necessarily bad bags, but you'll buy some cows that don't milk well. You'll buy some cows that only have a calf every other year. You'll buy some cows that want to eat your lunch when they have a calf. You'll want to buy some, you'll buy some cows that uh, don't thrive in certain conditions. I mean, learn from it, go on. And you, you just got to be consistent. Do what you do the best you can do it until something else better comes along. Or figure out what it is you want to do and go after it. It's easy for me to do this, what I do, because I never really wanted to do anything else. I can't ever remember a time in my life when I ever wanted to do anything else. From the time I was as young as you could be. My dad told me the other day that he had memories of me at two and three years old chasing horses around in the crib. You know, my mom told me when I was a little kid, I used to, I was like two or three years old, climb up on the fence. I'm a toddler, okay? I'm a little kid. And I would sit there for hours waiting for a horse to walk by. And when a horse walked by, and they got close enough, I would leap from fence and try to land on his back just so I could ride a horse. I don't really remember that, but I'm pretty sure I missed a lot. Hit the ground a lot. But I kept getting up, kept getting back on that fence, kept waiting for a horse to walk by so I could jump off and land on his back. Every now and then it worked. So, you know, and and you know, it's kind of like a little tiny kid. A little tiny kid learning to walk can fall down 50, 60, 80 times. Nobody goes to that kid and says, look, I don't think walking's for you. You keep failing. Maybe you should just sit in a wheelchair and not try this anymore. Nobody's ever said that to a little kid learning to walk. What do they say? Keep trying it. You'll get it one day. So there you go. Keep trying it. You'll get it one day. But you gotta keep trying it. You can't be such a chicken shit. Give up. Be really, really wary of those that always look for the negative. You know, the, the, the people that are optimistic, the people that are opportunists, the people that are winners... They look for the good in things. The losers look for the bad in things. The loser says, I can't afford that. The winner says, how can I afford that? You got to keep in mind what one man can do, another can do. Figure out what it is you want to do and go do it. But don't get sidetracked. Stay off the phone. Don't watch a lot of television. Don't pay no never mind to all them other dumb shits. Most of them guys that work at factories and 
places that employ a lot of people. Those are dead-end careers. You'll give them your whole life. When it's done, they give you a watch and a pension. And you'll usually die within 10 years after that. And then I know a lot of people who have chased their dreams. And they live to be very, very old. Very, very wise. Very, very wealthy. You know, one thing that Warren Buffett said. He said, very successful people say no a lot. Going to go out for a milkshake? No. I'm working. I'm busy. I'm not going to spend the extra four bucks. Okay? Don't be a sucker. Don't be a sheep. Just because you see a Sonic commercial for a cherry limeade does not mean you got to stop for a cherry limeade every time you pass a Sonic. That's advertising. Somebody's making a shitload of money on that deal. And they're making it off of you. They're putting about 20 cents worth of product into a big old drink and they're charging you four or five bucks for it. And you sucker into it and do it. So, don't be swayed and taken advantage of. Don't be such a sheep. Be a leader. You know, it's like they say, turkeys are in, what the hell do you call a freaking herd of turkeys? I don't know if they're a flock or a, they, they got another name for it. But anyways, there's a, the group of turkeys, okay? Turkeys usually run in great big bunches. Eagles are always alone. Okay, chickens. Flock of chickens flock of geese, but not a flock of eels, no sir. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, look at grizzly bears. Yeah, wolves are dangerous and wolves are a bad thing, that's a subject for another day. But wolves have to hunt in packs. A lone wolf is generally a skinny wolf that wolf has to have them other wolves. I don't guarantee you, but a grizzly bear don't need a whole bunch of other grizzly bears to get what he wants to eat. He goes alone, and he does it alone, and he survives alone. And no matter how goddamn badass a wolf you ever gonna be, you'll never whip a grizzly. So, you know, keep that in mind. Anyways, I'm just uh, coming into Burning, Texas. I'm going to stop and uh, get some diesel and uh, kick her on out north of town to the old homestead there, mine, and, and uh, get these calves unloaded and get our horses unsaddled and put away. And, you know, I mean, here it is. Shit, I don't know. 8 o'clock at night now. And we started at 6 o'clock this morning. So, 14 hour day and it ain't over yet. But, uh, I'm going to let y'all go and you can think about that. And, and uh, figure out what you want to do and go on with it, I guess, you know.
But just remember, where there's a will, there's a way. And what one man can do, another can do. And don't be afraid to say no. Just because somebody else wants it doesn't mean you have to want to. It's okay to say no and be your own thing. Do your own thing. Live your own life. And remember, there's a difference between blessings and opportunities. So, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you've been blessed beyond measure. You're alive, you're breathing, and you have access to technology. This is Scott Hume from somewhere on the plains of Texas. Have a good one, y'all.